What is up, everybody? JT Sports here. Back to you guys with another episode of the JT Sports Podcast. On this episode, I'm here with my 2022 AFC South record predictions. Going to be giving you guys my best case scenario, my worst case scenario, and my overall record predictions for all four teams in the AFC South. If this is your first time listening to the JT Sports Podcast, Welcome. I appreciate you for tuning in. Make sure that you follow me on all of my social media platforms. You can follow me on Twitter at JT Sports underscore underscore and on Instagram at JT Sports underscore. Lastly, if you are listening to the podcast on YouTube, make sure that you check out the JT Sports podcast on all podcasting platforms. Every video that is uploaded on the channel is available in audio format on every single podcasting platform, wherever you get your podcast from. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Amazon, pretty much any place. All you got to do is type in the JT Sports Podcast on any service or go to the link down in the pinned comment section or description down below and it will take you directly to it. Also, make sure that you leave a like on the video and subscribe to the channel for more NFL videos and content. In 2021, the Jacksonville Jaguars went 3-14 and And I'm going to be real with you guys. I was not expecting Jacksonville to be as bad as what they were last year. And I understand that many people have reservations anytime a former college football head coach becomes the head coach of an NFL team. But I thought that Urban Meyer would have been different. And it's funny because he didn't even last the whole entire season. And then what's even more funny is that, did you guys know that Urban Meyer has a book about leadership. How do you have a book about leadership, but you're an awful leader? That makes absolutely no sense. I guess they just let anybody get a book nowadays. They need to let me write a book, but you bring in Doug Peterson as your new head coach, and I think Doug Peterson is what Jacksonville needs. Jacksonville needs a proven winner. They don't need a hot coordinator candidate who gets his first ever head coaching gig, who needs to prove himself, is learning on the job. They need somebody who has won at a high level. And that's Doug Peterson. Doug Peterson is a Super Bowl winning coach. He delivered a Super Bowl to Philadelphia. And he was pretty successful there. Now, although his tenure kind of soured out, you know, I definitely think that he is what Jacksonville needs. And I think that he's going to get the most out of Trevor Lawrence. And my best case scenario for Jacksonville this year is 9-8. and eight. And here's why. If Jacksonville can win 9 games, I think they potentially could win the division. And a lot of you guys may laugh at that because I know when you look at this roster on paper, it's not going to blow anybody away. But think about it this way. Trevor Lawrence was the number one overall pick not too long ago. If he ends up improving, and he will... He easily can become the best quarterback in this division. And I think if that happens, we could see him have the kind of performance that Andrew Luck had really early into his career with the Indianapolis Colts. Because the AFC South at the time that Andrew Luck entered the league was one of the worst divisions in the NFL. And when you look at the whole entire AFC South as a whole, it's not really that great. All the quarterbacks 
either such as Davis Mills have something still to prove. You have Ryan Tannehill, Matt Ryan, two aging quarterbacks who are on the decline. So if Trevor Lawrence steps up his play this year and he ends up becoming the quarterback that we all believe that he would have been last season, right away as the number one overall pick, I think that that could be good enough for Jacksonville to potentially win the division. And on top of that, this roster isn't all that bad. It's way better than what it was last season. If you're making a list of the most improved teams heading into this year, the Jacksonville Jaguars have to be on this list because this was a team that only won three games last season. So you bring in Christian Kirk, you have Marvin Jones there, you have a pretty solid group of wide receivers, not great, but not awful. You get what I'm saying? You don't have a lot of depth there, but you do have playmakers out there. Okay, it's way better than what you had last season. Did you guys know that the Jacksonville Jaguars had Tavon Austin catching touchdowns for them last season? When is the last time you heard that name? Probably 2012 and 2013. It's been a very long time since we heard the name Tavon Austin. And Laquan Treadwell. Laquan freaking Treadwell. These were the Jacksonville Jaguars, two wide receivers who they had catching passes last year. It was that bad. So... Their offensive line isn't that bad neither. It's decent. And I'm going to live and die on that hill. I think that Jacksonville's offense is going to be okay this year. And I really like the fact that Travis Etienne returns. He's been making a lot of noise so far throughout training camp for Jacksonville. My only concern that I have with the Jaguars offense is right tackle. I don't know if Jerron Taylor is going to hold up. And we're going to have to see if Walker Little can end up competing for that starting job at right tackle and maybe giving better play at that position. But outside of that, I think the Jaguars have a pretty decent offense. I'm not saying that it's super talented. All I'm saying is that it's decent. And the defense also has improved also. You bring in Foyer Luicon that running back. You drafted Trayvon Walker, who has a lot of upside. The secondary has improved. You got Tyson Campbell, who had a really underrated rookie season last year in 2021. We talk about some of the best rookie cornerbacks, such as Patrick Satan and whatnot. Tyson Campbell also should be in that conversation. You also have Shaquille Griffin. So Darius Williams comes in. He most likely is going to be a slot corner. You don't like safety at all. Okay, safety does not really look all that promising. But outside of that, I think the Jacksonville Jaguars, best case scenario, could win nine games. And potentially they could compete for the division title because there are teams such as the Colts, Tennessee, and Houston that we're going to talk about later that really aren't all that great. So my worst case scenario for Jacksonville this year... 4-13, and the reason why I say 4-13 is because the offensive line, maybe it still doesn't play up to the level that I think is capable of playing at, and it could be really bad. Then on top of that, on defense, I'm not really all that thrilled about the interior of the defensive line, and also, when you look at Trayvon Walker, Trayvon Walker was drafted more for the upside. He's still pretty raw. He still has a lot of things that he has to work on. So he may not pop as a rookie right away. He may be somebody who only maybe gives you three, four sacks. He might not come in and give you a nine or 10 sack season right off the back or 10 sack season, excuse me, right away. So it may take a couple of years for him to pop off. 
And also, Jacksonville hasn't really been great when it comes to the recent play at linebacker based off last season. Plus, Foyer Luakon, he's really good against the run, but he's not all that great in pass coverage. And I don't think cornerback is going to be an issue, but the back end of that secondary at safety, it really gives me nightmares. So, 4-13 and 13 as my worst-case scenario. Maybe Doug Peterson is the wrong hire, and this offense doesn't improve. Trevor Lawrence continues to struggle. Year 2, 4-13. and 13. Now, my overall record prediction for Jacksonville is going to be 6-11. and 11. Because you look at their schedule, I definitely think that there are a good amount of winnable games on this schedule okay you play Washington week one I think that's pretty winnable you have a good chance to split with every team in this division Indianapolis the Colts the Titans I don't really think that Jacksonville should get swept by any of those three teams this year you got the New York Giants at home then you also have Detroit on the road late in the season along with the New York Jets on a short week Thursday night so you have a pretty manageable schedule there are a lot of teams on this list or on this schedule who probably would struggle to get to at least 500 so I think for Jacksonville 16-11 is going to be my record prediction for them in 2022. I think that they can split with every team in this division. So if you're able to do that, that's three wins, okay? Then if you could beat the Jets, beat Detroit, you know, beat the New York Giants, that's also additional three wins there. There you go. There's your six potential wins. And as I mentioned earlier, I feel with how this division looks right now there is a path and I don't think a lot of people are giving Jacksonville a fair shot that this team really has a legitimate shot at winning this division it's not me being overly optimistic it's not me overrating Jacksonville look at this division not really all that great every team in this division has concerns on the offensive line every team in this division is kind of lacking proven talent and depth at wide receiver it's like, I think with Jacksonville, if Trevor Lawrence, and when he does take that next step this year, if he ends up becoming the best quarterback in this division, I definitely feel that the Jacksonville Jaguars' chances of winning this division improves dramatically. But you guys let me know your record prediction for the Jacksonville Jaguars down in the comment section down below. Last season, Tennessee went 12-5. and They won the AFC South. And they also had the number one overall seed in the AFC Conference for the playoffs. And although they got upset by Cincinnati in the divisional round, this was still a team that I feel slightly overachieved. Because after Derrick Henry went down with his injury and he missed pretty much their entire second half of the 2021 season, there were many people who pretty much gave up on Tennessee. They thought that Tennessee was done. And despite that, this team found ways to win games, and that's why I have so much respect for Mike Vrabel as a head coach. I feel like he's incredibly underrated because he has instilled a fighter's mentality in this team. No matter how many injuries they have, no matter how many times people count them out, they find ways to scratch and claw their ways to wins. And it may not be pretty all the time. But all that matters is that they find ways to win the games. However, there are some pretty huge concerns for Tennessee walking into 
the 2022 NFL season. The first one most definitely is going to be the offensive line. You have questions at right tackle. How is Dylan Rennes going to perform there? And then on top of that, the other spots on your offensive line, also you have concerns there, especially on their interior. And then when you look at wide receiver, you know, you don't know how good Traylon Burks is going to be. Now, I believe in Traylon Burks. Okay, I plan on picking him up in all of my fantasy football leagues. I think that he's going to have a phenomenal rookie season. And I'm pretty sure a bunch of you Tennessee fans watching this feel the same way. However, it doesn't matter how much we believe in somebody. They still have to go out and perform on the field. And you never know with these rookie wide receivers. These rookie wide receivers could come out and be great right off the bat. Or they also could struggle. And it may take them a couple of years for things to start clicking. And then on top of that, you have Robert Woods, who you acquired in a trade with the LA Rams, who's 30 years old, coming off an ACL injury. Now, I don't know how much confidence I can put into a wide receiver who's getting up into the latter half of his NFL tenure, who's coming from an ACL injury at 30. And then on top of that, you know, if you need him to be your number one wide receiver, I don't really know how great he could be there. Now, Robert Woods has always been a really good number two option, but him as a number one, I have my reservations about it. So for Tennessee, I love their defense. I think that their defense is one of the most underrated units heading into this year, and I think that they could end up having a top 10, maybe top five defense. So my best case scenario for the Titans is going to be 11-6. Now, if everything goes right for Tennessee, let's say the offensive line actually does end up playing pretty well. The defense is playing as good as what we all expected to play at a pretty high level. And then on top of that, you know, Robert Woods is being pretty good and Traylon Burks is going off. And then Ryan Tannehill, you know, he still is giving you pretty good, consistent quarterback play. And Derrick Henry is still the Derrick Henry that we have all known for over the last couple of years as the best running back in the NFL. Because the way that Tennessee wins games is old-fashioned. They don't go 4-5 wide. They don't do anything special on offense. They just ground and pound you. They rely on the run game, taking time off the clock, tiring out your defense. And then when they get on the field, they have a lot of confidence that their defense is going to be able to slow down your offense. And they do have a really good defensive line. You got Harold Landry coming off a career season. But Dupree, I still have a lot of confidence in him. I still think that he's somebody who can give you nine, maybe ten sacks. Last season, he was also held back by the injury bug. And their secondary is really, really underrated. So for Tennessee, I think that the ceiling for them in 2022 is 11 wins. Now, the floor for Tennessee, the worst case scenario, if everything goes left, is 6-11. and 11. The offensive line... Let's say it's as bad as what many non-Tennessee fans think that it is. Ryan Tannehill regresses and a nightmare situation is Traylon Burke struggles as a rookie and Robert Woods doesn't show that he's able to handle being the primary option in the passing game. And even if the defense is playing lights out, you know, you still need the passing game to be effective. And no matter how good you are when it comes to running the football, Derrick Henry can't be getting 60 carries, 70 carries a game. You're going to have to be able to throw the football eventually. And you're going to be put down in third down situations, and you're going to have to be able to deliver. 
And for Tennessee, I have some concerns about, you know, just how effective and how efficient this passing game is going to be. Because going from A.J. Brown to Traylon Burks and, you know, Robert Woods is a pretty huge downgrade. And even though you had a Julio Jones that was pretty much ineffective last year, you know, their wide receiver position doesn't give you a lot of confidence. And I definitely think that this offense could end up holding back this team. And on top of that, you know, if you have a good running back, the majority of the times he always has a good offensive line blocking in front of him. So if the offensive line regresses compared to what they were playing at last year, you know, that's going to hold back Derrick Henry. Because you can't be a great running back if you have a god-awful offensive line. So my worst-case scenario for the Titans is going to be 6-11. and 11. Now, my overall record prediction for the Tennessee Titans in 2022 is 8-9. and nine. And I have them at 8 wins simply for the fact that, you know, their first couple of games before their bye week, I think it's pretty manageable, okay? You play the New York Giants week one. You also get to play Indianapolis and Washington. Although you do play those two teams on the road, those are pretty winnable games. And along there, you have Buffalo and Las Vegas. I definitely feel like they have a very good chance of beating the Raiders simply for the fact that they match up pretty well defensively with the Las Vegas Raiders offense. Las Vegas has a really good group of weapons in the passing game, but Tennessee has a pretty underrated secondary. And on top of that, the Raiders' offensive line is one of the worst in the NFL. So if that secondary performs really well against that group of wide receivers that the Las Vegas Raiders have, that pass rush is really going to be able to get active. And I think that the Tennessee Titans are going to have a lot of success before their bye week. But after their bye week, things get really tough. So you play the Indianapolis Colts for a second time, and then you play Houston on the road. But then this is where the schedule really gets tough for Tennessee, okay? You got to go on the road to Arrowhead and play the Chiefs. You got to play the Denver Broncos. Then you have to play the Green Bay Packers on a short week in November on a Thursday night. You got to play Cincinnati on the road to Philadelphia. You do get to play Jacksonville twice after their bye week. But then you also have to play the Chargers on the road. You get to play the Texans again and the Dallas Cowboys. So after the Tennessee Titans bye week, they're pretty much playing seven, maybe eight potential playoff teams during this stretch. And that's going to be really, really, that's a really tough gauntlet for any team. You're pretty much playing playoff teams back to back to back. After that Houston matchup on the road, you're pretty much facing four, maybe five playoff teams week after week after week after week. And for Tennessee, I just don't really know if that offense is going to be able to hold up. I really do. Okay, like that offensive line, I'm not really all that confident in. I don't really like how their wide receiver position looks because if Traylon Burks kind of struggles, then you're going to have to rely a lot on Robert Woods. And you do have Austin Hooper at tight end, but, you know, he's always been solid. He's never been an elite tight end. So for Tennessee, I have them at eight wins this year. The Indianapolis Colts went 9-8 and eight last season. They were a Jacksonville Jaguars upset away from making it into the playoffs. When you look at the Indianapolis Colts, 
this team has a pretty solid offensive line. I don't think their offensive line is as good as what a lot of people make it out to be, but it's solid. I think it's a top 12, top 11 unit in the NFL going into this year. Your wide receiver position still, you know, doesn't really impress me all that much. You do have Michael Pittman, who is coming off a breakout season. I'm interested in seeing what Alex Pierce does in his rookie year. But we already know that this offense is going to run through the J train, a.k.a. Jonathan Taylor. Now, you replace Carson Wentz with Matt Ryan. And there are a good amount of people out there who believe that Indianapolis somewhat downgraded at quarterback. And the reason for this is because, unlike Carson Wentz, you don't get no mobility out of Matt Ryan. And I can understand that. However, Matt Ryan is more accurate as a passer compared to Carson Wentz. And on top of that, he takes better care of the football than Carson Wentz, which is the main thing that Indianapolis is looking for. There were too many times last season letting games when Carson Wentz would cost Indianapolis games due to boneheaded decisions and just being flat out reckless. So if Matt Ryan, although you do have a quarterback who's on the older end of the spectrum and his playing days are now starting to come to a close, you still do have somebody who's more than capable of being able to win you games and get you to the playoffs. And it's not as if Indianapolis needs Matt Ryan to play at an MVP level or anything like that. They just need him to be a game manager at this point, take care of the football, make the necessary big throws when need to. And this offense is pretty much going to be ran through Jonathan Taylor. And this defense should still be pretty good. You have a pretty good defensive line with DeForest Buckner. You had Yankee Gokway there. You got Quiddy Pay. You got Darius Leonard, arguably one of the best defensive players in the NFL. You had Stephon Gilmore, so your secondary is still going to be pretty good. However... Will your defense remain elite with your former defensive coordinator, Matt Eberflus, becoming the head coach of the Chicago Bears? You are going to be replacing him with Gus Bradley, who was the defensive coordinator of the Las Vegas Raiders in 2021. And the Las Vegas Raiders had a very good defense on the Gus Bradley. I won't say it was elite. It wasn't top 10, but it was pretty good. And their defense did show up on a couple of occasions, and they were a pretty good part of why the Las Vegas Raiders were able to have that late season run in December and January and why they were able to get into the playoffs. So for Indianapolis, my best case scenario for them is going to be 11-6. Now the offensive line does have some really good pieces. Ryan Kelly, Quentin Nelson, Brandon Smith are some of the best players at their respective positions on the offensive line. Okay, at wide receiver, you're going to have Paris Campbell coming back fully healthy. But also, a wide receiver to keep your eyes on is Isaiah Ford. This was somebody who has spent the majority of his career with the Miami Dolphins. And he's been a really underrated player in a sense because he always has really good training camp outings, really good in the preseason. But when it comes to the regular season, he just doesn't get a lot of opportunity. So if Isaiah Ford could end up starting at slot receiver for Indianapolis, I definitely feel like you could get some really good production out of him there. But if Paris Campbell can stay healthy, he's also pretty good. 
And then, as I mentioned earlier, Michael Pittman is coming off a breakout season. Your defense still is going to be really good. And the division isn't really all that tough. Jacksonville is going to be slightly better. Houston could be slightly better. They're still not really going to be all that great. Tennessee is a toss-up between the Colts and the Titans. But overall for Indianapolis, I could see 11 wins. However, I feel like the floor for Indianapolis... It's 7-10. How is your left tackle situation going to play out? Last season, Eric Fisher started the majority of games for you there. I don't really know how productive that position is going to be for them this year. On defense, you lost Matt Eberflus. Could the defense potentially regress under defensive coordinator Gus Bradley? And on top of that, you look at Indianapolis' schedule and... It's not really all that difficult. You know, you start your first two games of the regular season on the road against Houston and Jacksonville, but then you get to play Kansas City and Tennessee, then Denver at home. So that's going to be a pretty tough three-game stretch. Then during the middle waypoint of the season, you go on the road to Foxborough and Las Vegas. Then you have Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, Dallas coming off a bye. You got Minnesota and the Chargers there. So that's going to be a pretty tough slate once you get into the latter half of the season. And that's where we start to see the pretenders separate themselves from the contenders. And if Indianapolis is going to make a playoff run, they're going to have a stretch of the year where they're going to be facing five to six playoff teams back to back to back in consecutive weeks and I wonder just how this team is going to hold up there because you don't really have a lot of great talent at wide receiver outside of Michael Pittman and you do have some concerns at left tackle there so my overall record prediction for Indianapolis is going to be eight and nine I just feel like when you look at Indianapolis you know I mean they're a solid team but the AFC is crowded You know, are you going to be able to beat a team like the Chargers or a team like Kansas City, a team that has a lot of explosive firepower? Because when you're going to be able to beat some of these teams, you have to be able to put up a good amount of points. And this offense is okay, but I mean, is Matt Ryan going to be able to, you know, have some games where he can carry you if the run game isn't there? And is this defense still going to consistently be able to play at a high-end level under a new defensive coordinator? You know, these are the questions that I have about Indianapolis. And although their division isn't really tough, I don't really feel like there's too much separation between them and Tennessee, which is why I have both of these two teams finishing with the same record. I feel like this division is going to be really unwatchable at times I don't really think Indianapolis is just this great team you know it's like with quarterback of Matt Ryan I like Matt Ryan he still is more than capable of being able to get you to the postseason but there are going to be some games where you're going to have to rely on him to win with his arm you just wonder how he's going to hold up so eight and nine is my record prediction for the Indianapolis Colts let me know how you guys feel about Indianapolis down in the comment section down below The Houston Texans have to be the most confusing franchise in the NFL right now. Last year, they went 4-13. And I kind of feel like they slightly overachieved because there were a good amount of people out there going into the 2021 NFL season who felt like the Houston Texans could go on 17. And then there were 
a good amount of people who felt like the Texans wouldn't win no more than two games at best. However, they went 4-13. They had a huge upset victory against the LA Chargers late in the year. And despite the fact that, you know, you could say they slightly overachieved under David Culley, they decided to get rid of him. And this is where things start to get incredibly confusing. They replaced David Culley with Lovey Smith. Now, I love Lovey Smith. The guy has the best beard in the NFL. I don't think anybody's going to be debating that. That's a W for the Houston Texans. Just give the Houston Texans a W just for the fact that Lovey Smith has the best beard in the NFL. I'm not going back and forth with anybody in the comment section about it. I mean, this guy's beard is fantastic. I hope when I get old and I get into my late 60s that I am able to grow a beard this awesome. However, you know, Lovey Smith, outside of what he's done with the Chicago Bears, he hasn't done anything ever since. He didn't win anything in Tampa. He didn't win anything when he was at Illinois. So it's kind of like, you know, what are we doing here? Now, Houston's defense wasn't as bad as what the numbers may indicate. Because their offense didn't do them any favors. And I say it so many times, but I'm going to ramble about it again. If your offense isn't efficient and they can't sustain drives and your defense is on the field for a lot of plays, your defense is going to underperform in certain situations because they're going to be on the field for more plays than what they need to be. So for Lovey Smith, with him taking over the reins as head coach, you do have somebody who is experienced. He is really good when it comes to the defense side of the football. The defense has improved. However, the big addition to Houston is officer coordinator Pep Hamilton. And for those of you guys who don't know who Pep Hamilton is, this was somebody who was largely responsible for why Justin Herbert had pretty much the greatest rookie season that we have ever seen from a rookie quarterback. He was the LA Chargers quarterback's coach during 2020. And I think with him being the offensive coordinator for the Houston Texans, he is going to do wonders with Davis Mills because Davis Mills is a smart quarterback. He comes from Stanford. You know, Pep Hamilton is a smart guy, one of the smartest offensive coordinators in the NFL. You talk to anybody about Pep Hamilton, they're going to tell you that this guy's IQ is off the charts. So I think that it's only, you know, fair to expect that, you know, these two guys are going to hit it off, Pep Hamilton and Davis Mills, both very smart guys. I think that the best case scenario for Houston is going to be 6-11. and 11. And mainly it's because of Pep Hamilton. Just being honest with you, I think that Pep Hamilton is going to have this offense playing at above average level. And it's not as if Houston doesn't have anything to work with on offense. They do have some pretty good pieces. You do have Warmy Tunsil there at left tackle. Okay, you do have rookie offensive guard Kenyon Green, who was one of the best interior interior offensive lineman prospects coming out of this past year's draft. You do have Brandon Cooks, pretty much the most underrated wide receiver in the NFL. This guy is a fantasy god. And then you have Nico Collins, who showed some flashes last year. I am a big believer in Brevin Jordan from the U. And then that running back, you know, you have Marlon Mack, Rex Burkhead, but you guys already know who I'm rooting for. I'm rooting for the human wrecking ball, Damian Pierce. We already did a segment about Damian Pierce earlier in the offseason. It is one of our best performing segments on the JT Sports Podcast over the last couple of months. 
Damian Pierce is a freak. I am so excited to see what he does for the Houston Texans this season. Now, he probably won't be RB1 right off the bat, but I think as we progress throughout this year and we get into week 12, week 13 of the regular season, we're going to start seeing Damian Pierce get a more bigger workload in this offense because... I mean, how can you not put this guy on the field, Houston? Damian Pierce should at least get 100 carries this year. If you give Damian Pierce 100 carries this year, Pep Hamilton, I'll be satisfied. But I really think that this offense is going to surprise his people. And don't forget, Davis Mills was the second best rookie quarterback last year. Imagine me telling you, before the 2021 season started, if I was a time traveler, and we travel back to 2021, and you see me, and I tell you that Davis Mills is going to be the second-best rookie quarterback behind Mac Jones, better than Trevor Lawrence, better than Zach Wilson, better than Justin Fields, better than Trey Lance, you probably will look at me and say, JT Sports, are you drunk? But Davis Mills was actually pretty good, and I'm really excited for what Davis Mills can do this year. But my worst-case scenario for the Houston Texans is 2-15. and 15. And listen, the Houston Texans have some pretty promising young players on their defense. I think they had a really good draft. I love Jalen Petrie. I'm a big fan of Derek Stingley, okay? But I really don't know if Lovey Smith is really going to be the coach who really turns things around turns things around in Houston. Because he hasn't really had no success anywhere he's been post-Chicago. So I really question, you know, just what adjustments is he going to make? You feel me? Like, what's going to be different between this year's team and last year's team? Yes, you do have an experienced head coach, a coach who has won at a high level in the past, but Lovey Smith hasn't won at a high level in pretty much a decade. You feel me? So I'm just not really a big fan of the Lovey Smith hiring. I do love him as a defensive coordinator. I love his beard, but I mean... I don't know, man. I, I really can't get behind it. And let's say the offensive line still isn't really all that great. You know, on the defense, you do have a good amount of young pieces, but you also still are lacking talent in major spots. I do like Jonathan Grenard. I think he could end up being a Pro Bowl caliber pass rusher in this league. But ah, I don't know, man. I, I really do love the young pieces that the Houston Texans have. You know, I love Jonathan Grenard. I love Christian Harris. I love Derek Stanley, Jalen Petrie, Christian Kirksey. Even though he's up there in age, when he's able to stay healthy, he plays at a really good level. The dude is insane. It's just that, you know, there hasn't really been too many years when he's been able to stay healthy for all 16, 17 games. But if you can stay healthy, you know, he's also somebody who can produce at a pretty high level for you. But their interior of their defensive line really isn't all that great. You know, Garrett Wallow and Steven Nelson, he's solid, but I don't know, man. I, I just look at Houston, and I think that the worst case for this team really is two wins. And my record prediction really isn't going to be all that better. It's 4-13. and And listen, I understand that Houston Texans fans probably aren't expecting anything special. You're probably hoping that you can get the six wins, but I don't really have a lot of confidence in Lovey Smith. I mean, he is an upgrade from David Culley from the experience standpoint. But, I mean, he hasn't really won at an insanely high level. But, I mean, when you look at the Houston Texans schedule earlier on, it's not really 
that tough, believe it or not. I mean, you do got Indianapolis, you got Denver really early into the season, you go on the road and face Chicago, back-to-back road trips, you got the Chargers, then you got Jacksonville. So, I mean, I think that they potentially could go 2-2 two and two for their first games of the season. Then after that, after your bye week, this is where things start to get really tough, okay? You get to play the Raiders on the road. You got to play Tennessee, Philadelphia. Then things get a little bit easy for the next two weeks, okay? You're playing the New York Giants and Washington. Those are both two winnable games. Then you got to go on the road to play the Miami Dolphins. Then to close out the season, you got to play Dallas, Kansas City, Tennessee, Jacksonville, and Indianapolis. So... 4-13 is going to be my record prediction for the Houston Texans. I do think that this offense is going to be pretty good, but I don't really know about the defense. It's still fairly young. You do have some young players who are going to pop for you, but overall, I just don't really see the Houston Texans being all that much better compared to where they were last year. But that's it for my 2022 AFC South record predictions. Leave your record predictions down in the comment section down below. And I appreciate you guys for listening to this episode of the JT Sports Podcast. If you're listening to this on YouTube, remember that every video that's uploaded on the channel is available in audio format on every single podcasting platform. Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon, wherever you get your podcasts from, the JT Sports Podcast is available. And I will see you guys with another episode shortly.